Well, universe, my no-call, no-show is over. And since you're always here, well, I can't say that this uh, momentum to record has been waning for every day. I actually intended to get something down, but in one or two cases, exhaustion crept in and one case uh, productivity crept in and uh, in another case well sometimes I just am not sure what to say until I have fallen asleep said nothing and realize I missed a day recording but now I literally have so much on my mind that though this will be a scattershot episode of non-relevance anything since I didn't even listen to the one before this before recording I know it was four days ago and it was about work I think I don't even know but I do remember that I left dangling um, a second thing that happens at work and it's happened at work more this time than last time last time was bad enough but for whatever reason, dogs sometimes will literally break their owner's handle to come find me. And it's embarrassing. It's happened twice since I've been back. Well, three times if you count one time a dog was off a leash. But um, one, the, the, the uh, border collie-ish mutt was sitting with its owner in the windows area getting a consultation and I'm walking to go to the bathroom, the main aisle. And I see the dog from probably 30 yards away, making eye contact with me because the dogs that gravitate toward me, find me like, I don't know. There's an eye contact moment that is, is like staring, piercing. And I'm thinking in my head to not look at the dog as I walk by. Cause I don't want to encourage it like to come to me. And before I can even get another 10 yards, in other words, there's still a good 15, 20 yards between me and the dog. The dog gets up and tugs off its owner's leash, which she has held under her leg as she's talking to the people at the, at the counter and comes at me. And I know it's not aggressive. She's coming up to give me a hug. Trust me. And, uh, and she trottles over to me. So I get down on a knee. Oh, whoa. Sorry, V. A couple hats fell down. Off their nail. That's unusual. Somebody doesn't want me to tell this story. <laughs> Jealous, maybe. Well, at any rate, as I as I kneel down and put my hand out, she's you know still ten feet away. She kind of waddles over to me and and comes in for a big old hug, and I just give her a hug, stand up and tell her, "I bet your owner wants you back." And her owner is like terrified that somehow I've called her dog over, <laughs> and I'm like. I didn't call your dog. Your dog comes running at me. And all I did was get in a submissive position to make sure she wasn't going to attack me. And the owner's like, well, my dog would never do anything like this. And so I have to go through the conversation of, listen, I've had this happen before. Sometimes dogs just come at me and they just come at me friendly. You can ask people in the store. Other people have seen it happen. In fact, the man you're looking at right there, Steve has seen it happen twice. So she confirms with Steve, well, Steve happily tells the story of me being the dog whisperer of Home Depot. And, um, and 
I don't know what it is. Like, and, and I get some dogs ignore me entirely. Don't have a single sense of them as I walk past them. Other dogs, I can sense almost from outside. And when I see these dogs, clearly I need to give them attention and at least acknowledge their existence because I don't want them to come at me for whatever reason they do this. And maybe it's Phoebe's scent. I don't know. But it's been this way since college. And, and it's why I always have had a dog because honestly, dogs love me and I love being around them. It's the idea of unconditional love is clear as day between me and my dog. And I think between other dogs, I think it's as simple as that, that I am such a fan of dogs that any dog who sees me knows that I'm A, never going to harm them and B, have nothing but good intention. And I think the ones that are looking for the fun, giddy up side of life know that I will do nothing to retard that. Whereas their owner currently has them on a leash, which is already retarding their uppity side of life probably all it is right and i don't go to the dog park because at the dog park i've had dogs who just won't leave me alone they just come with me wherever i go and the owner eventually gets embarrassed but that's why i think in a past life i must have been a dog i must have the idea of socialization at exactly dog level because i love dogs dogs love me and frankly i can't see my life being anything but less enjoyable without dogs in it. So, even as Phoebe's tumor grows to alarming proportions, to where she can barely even sit down, she has to basically squat or lay down all the time now, because when she sits, she's so out of balance, she can't keep her left leg support uh, intact. She just eventually slips out of position. And as a result, as she's doing right now, she constantly licks her left leg. And maybe it's sore to the point that it's a detriment to her life. I can't tell yet. But these are signs that when it is a detriment to her life, can't be far away. So, we've uh, been taking daily walks and doing some fun stuff. And I will always feel like we had a great life together. But losing Phoebe is clearly if not a 2022 item on the calendar well it certainly will be in 2023 so 11 years with a big dog 12 years maybe if we get lucky that's a pretty good run it's not 15 or 17 but if we're honest years 15 16 and 17 with any dog are slow and years that could potentially be the end at any point so to have had the great years we had up until she got sick was a great run. One that I will always remember and fondly. So as not to cry, we're going to stop this conversation right where it is. And um, here, here's a sobering thought. I, I, uh, I really am feeling so self-indulgent lately about the time that I spent not working. And I mean self-indulgent because I feel like I gained something in that space that anybody who hasn't 
had the luxury of not having to get up, get to work, clock in, do the shit that needs to get done, regardless of how they feel or in any capacity attending to what their day may entail. Work gets done. Work is unquestionable. Work is always what you're going to do no matter what else happens. You're gonna get to work, do your job, and fuck the rest of your life. Well, having said no to that for three years, I'll tell you what, I really don't mind. Like, today, I know work needed me. And uh, frankly, I had it. I, I was... I was so I so had it. <laughs> I set my alarm for 10 a.m. because I knew that meant I could leave. Um, and I ended up staying 30 extra minutes because I'm that fucking guy. But I could have stayed 13 extra hours if I wanted to. And I'm going to go in at one in the morning and do the final facing and down stocking before they get walked tomorrow because I said I would earlier in the week and I'm not about to let them down now. But that's it. That's the gap. They do not get me from 10.30 a.m. until 1 a.m. this morning. I needed some time. And this is something I was never very good at because I would have been... the <laughs> My record clocked shift in any environment. Well, I shouldn't say that. I'll bet I worked more than this one time or two at the advertising agency. In fact, I'm sure I did once. But no place that I got paid by the hour have I ever worked longer than probably 15, 16 hour shift, except once. The night before, the night before inventory at Home Depot, four years ago now, maybe five, I worked a 26 hour shift <laughs> and they sent me home. I was going to work the rest of it until I flopped and they said no. You have to go home for 12 hours, and we still don't want you back. But we can't stop you at that point. And, uh, and I was back 12 hours later. You bet I was. <laughs> and that was, that was the end. Like, that, that literally was the end. At that, from, from then on, I didn't give a fuck. I mean, I still cared to do a good job, but I certainly had seen that you, you have to have a turnoff switch. And systems like that will suck people dry who want always to leave nothing but the best work they can leave. There is no such thing, especially two nights before inventory. Inventory is a clusterfuck no matter what. And I didn't know that yet, but I certainly learned it two days later. And, uh, and again, in this environment, if we can get somewhere in the B to B minus range confidently, we're plenty happy with that. We know an A plus is impossible. It's just the way it works. There is no system that makes A-plus work enabled. Well, <clears throat> that's when I realized work had become a job. I no longer wanted to be invested in anything. I mean, the, the months I worked for Kroger were volatile. If they weren't daily volatility, they were the kind of volatility that rang in my subconscious dreams, my premonitions, everything. I knew that was a disaster waiting to happen. And somehow I was probably just working through the denial of what Home Depot had taught me. But Kroger not only reinforced it, it accelerated it, made it so palpable, I came to know some truths. Well, 
taking the time off to reflect on all those truths, that was self-indulgent. At least it feels self-indulgent now. I don't think of it as self-indulgent. I think of it as absolutely 100% necessary. I was so confused, I didn't understand anything. I went to a delusional schizophrenic for help. And it worked. And now, having somehow untied the knots that allow me to see a reality that I know how I fit, the people left over from the time I was there that are still there, as you can imagine, are scrambling their asses off today because they're being judged tomorrow in a way that will clearly be unfavorable. And I say that going in because it's the nature of the judgment. <laughs> they don't come in to sing your praises unless you're a top 10 performer that can become the sort of example that all other 700 stores or however many there are can now aspire toward. And we're not that level. We have a lot of positive upswinging trends. If you look at us four weeks ago to today, there is room to be a little encouraged. We're overcoming some of the major challenges the store is facing right now in a way that's better than expected. But some of those major challenges are limiting how good we can look, how good we can perform, and how good we can dress the store up for a day because there's only so much we can do. And now I have given everything I can give, and I'm going to give more tonight. What's left to give has been put on reserve so that I make sure I give it well tonight. And, <clears throat> and I understand that the chips are going to fall <laughs> and we are not going to win the pot. But I feel good. I feel great. <laughs> I mean, uh, I feel like I have done exactly what I could do to the highest of my ability in a way that outperforms all expectations and will be able to do that one more time and do not give a shit if anybody notices. Even though <laughs> two days ago I got what's called a Congratulations Associate Homer Award for my effort, for how well I've been helping out everybody. Because that's what I do. I got like 20 of those in a drawer from the last time around. So, I've never felt so much better about who I am and what I'm doing than these kinds of decisions to recognize a broken system isn't one that I need to participate in. I'm happy to help the people who are participating in it do a little bit better than maybe they do if I wasn't there. But that's all you get. And I'm not about to ask for more authority and, uh, and responsibility in a system that clearly taxes those who accept those positions in ways that are unfavorable and completely slanted. All I've ever asked is for a world that gives everyone the opportunities they deserve. And everybody who's going up against a grading system designed to make them fail is not getting an opportunity. They're getting a chance to be the next meat in the grinder. These places tear people apart, either day by day or all at once. And yuck. <laughs> I mean, I spent four hours 
in the 39 degree rain today, watering fucking wet plants. So, do I like my job today? Not even a little bit. But, I'm going back there tonight because I care about my work. I care about my effort. I care about the way the people around me that I do care about get treated. And that's what's motivating me. There is no measuring stick whereby a true assessment of what these people are trying to do and the value they're presenting can be run. Because you actually have to work with them every day and know them to know how hard they're working and what they're trying to get done. And since district managers, by definition, aren't those people, they come in for snapshots that can be complete and total false presentations and think that they've got some sort of idea of what's going on. Okay. I mean, that's just not good enough for me. That's not a world I want to live in. I don't want to be judged by some simple run-through of a four-hour walk that says, now we know how to judge you entirely. <sighs> okay? If that's how you feel, I'm going to eat some magic mushrooms and then ask you, have I surprised you yet? Because you can't judge me on anything in four hours' time other than what I might do with four hours of my time. And even then, what'd you learn? Sometimes I've sat on the toilet for so long, my legs fall asleep and I can't stand up. I got to bang up talk and get up because I'm lost in thought or I'm lost in some stupid TMZ phone marathon. I do not need to be learning about what's going on in Hollywood. The 10 celebrities are all doing worse than they used to be. I don't know, but let me find out. So, we're all just chaotic critters full of nonsense who occasionally figure some shit out that's worth a while. And when we do, well, we don't even sometimes know it. <laughs> so how much are we to be judged in our random assortment of daily routines? I don't know. Not a lot. Not a lot. In fact, I don't even know if you can judge me across a lifetime of interaction with planet Earth. I still don't know if that's enough of a time for me to figure my own self out. So how are you going to figure me out? Well, that's the kind of alienation I see on the faces of my coworkers now. Because they never got the break to think about things, you know? Wonder about just what kind of pizza would be invented if pizza had been invented in Japan. Swordfish pizza. Ooh, pizza's on swordfish. My point is, having gotten to find my own value outside of the American work structure means all those people who keep pining away at the work structure for some sort of resonant purpose that gives their life meaning. Well, they've lost three more years of discovering that doesn't work. And I can see it. I can see it in their faces, their performance, what they don't complain about versus what they do, how defeated they all at some point have admitted to being. It's hard. And I tell them all, you know, you're all worth a lot more than you think you are. 
Y'all are underselling yourself more than you're doing anything else in here because the system is designed to make you feel like you don't stack up. So, I don't know how to work them out of that, you know? And I'm going to figure it out because I know if I can help them, well, that model's going to help me a lot. And it may help discover the undercurrent that is such a limiting factor in our sense of fulfilling what it seems to be that we're here to do. I mean, my dog's figured it out. She sleeps through every one of these. She's clearly needing no consult, no conversation, no investigation into the underlying malaise that life has become. Nope. And uh, I'm not, I'm, this is, look, I, I know there are people out there who find their careers to be the only thing that gets them out of bed. And yahoo, you win, especially in this country. But what I'm saying is it just never was going to be that way for me. I'd find a different motivation to be getting out of bed than the 28 hours I'm scheduled to work at the Orange Apron big box store. That wasn't enough. It was never going to be enough. And I'm not at all, at all, ashamed of that or in any way disappointed in that. But it was a long learning curve considering all the messaging and notification you're given that life's pursuit of working career satisfaction is what really is the resonant force behind most of the successful lives out there. Sorry about all the banging around here. I'm trying to decide which con uh, concentrate to go with next. It's looking like Cushmaster's Golden Goat. <sighs> Can't get enough, even though the stuff tastes like the inside of it. Litter box. I've only looked one, so I only have one to judge by, but still. If you're going to make jokes about licking litter boxes, do the people listening think you licked a litter box? Well, does that make the joke funnier? If I admit to for once in my life trying cat food because I thought, well, does it taste like what it smells like was a good enough reason to give it a taste. And yes, Meow Mix hard, crunchy little morsels of cat food taste exactly like what they smell like. It's just drier and crunchier than your average tortilla chip in a Walmart bag. So there you go. Now, the litter box story? Never. Maybe I don't have one. Maybe I do. But I do know that I quit that job when I did in a moment of recollection I still don't have because I needed a timeout. I learned that. I learned a lot in that time out. I learned enough to have found purpose in what is otherwise meaningless work. And that gets me out of bed every day. And I haven't been late to a shift this year. You want proof that I'm living in a completely different framework? I haven't been late to work. And it's May. There were months I hadn't been on time to work. So, if that's not finding purpose in a new way and shape and form, and a little bit of evidence that you indeed aren't lying, well, I don't know what my life signal could be.
<laughs> Maybe island time excuse was always just an excuse. Maybe I am built to be early to things that I care about. But that's not even... I haven't even started my list. All right, I'll tell you what. I'm not going to take bong hits on the recording. Oh, look at me making statements. I know I can't back up, right? Seriously. Whatever. Pause. Unpause. All right. Uh, I almost forgot to... I did forget. It's been like an hour. And, uh, and I meant for it to be more like a minute. And, hmm, there was something I had to do, uh, then I ended up feeding myself, and, uh, then I ended up, uh, grooming the dog, uh, doing some dishes, uh, you know, I got a little productive, got a little distracted, mostly, I got distracted, <clears throat> like forgetting to finish the two other dogs who, when I say break off their owner's hold. Well, <clears throat> there's enough of that that has happened, but the most dramatic one has happened recently. It was a couple, eh, not even two weeks ago, probably. It was sometime last week. When I had something I had to do involved leaving uh, a product at the service desk for someone to pick up later, but it all needed to be confirmed orally because... This had all been done over the phone. She wasn't going to pay for it until she got there and, and had inspected it. So I was going to leave it up at the service desk for her to inspect. This needed to be confirmed because it was going to happen after I left. So I've been standing up there waiting for the guy who needs to know this information to free up. But he's talking to a woman who's frankly taking his time. And doesn't look like he's going to be any less than four or five minutes. So I'm basically just lounging. But... <clears throat> When I approach the desk, as you come from the direction the garden department is, you basically walk into the backs of everybody who's being helped. Um, and you see the faces of everybody who's working. And as I walk past the very first cashier, um, I notice she's got a dog down, sitting down at her left as she's working with the, uh, the situation, whatever's going on. I don't make eye contact with the dog in any way. I just notice she's got her dog with her. And I have to go all the way to the end, so I pass three other cashiers and am waiting patiently, basically, at the last desk. Excuse me, hang on, pause. All right. Cough suppressed, or at least not recorded. Um, so, after I've been standing there for 15, 20 seconds, whatever, um, all of a sudden, a dog on my right, which is a little unusual, because that indicates to me that it might have come from outside, um, is basically just snuggling me. I'm like, whoa, you, and I kneel down and I'm like, you are the lovingest. Where'd you come from? You didn't come from out. And then the woman who had been getting help in the first area is like, where's my dog? What happened to my dog? And I'm like, I think she's right down here. Like I actually hear her because, uh, the disruption is, is loud enough. And she comes down, she's like, oh my God. I, I didn't know where she'd gone. And she snapped the leash. I'm like, what do you mean she snapped the leash? And when we looked, the dog had pulled the the actual socket of the of her lead collar free. 
the metal housing and <clears throat> we couldn't snap it back in there. Whatever happened, it had compromised it entirely to the point we had to give her some, uh, some nylon tie to secure her dog to the lead again. And, and it was, I mean, it was totally friendly. The dog was the sweetest looking like, I don't know what, some mutt, but it was just, it, it, the face of a dog that is, is, um, comfortable with you, the trust in their eyes, just the sort of gentle spirit of their nature. You don't see that in humans. You just don't. And I don't think it's because we don't have that in us and we're not even predisposed to it. I think in many ways, in, in almost any other environment, humanity is far more dog-like than in the version we're currently living through. <clears throat> I think we love to be shown affection. I think we love to do a good job. I think we love to work hard. I think we love to play hard. I think we know when there are threats in our area. And I think we love to secure ourselves among a pack because it adds both security and comfort as well as meaning to our lives. And I feel like I communicate with dogs almost as instantly as I do with kids. Like, you see the same look sometimes in little kids. I don't know. It's been... Uh, the third one... <laughs> the third one was this clowny dog who was sitting on one of the flat carts while his owner's pushing him around. And I'd seen him out in the parking lot early. And I'd made eye contact from across the parking lot. Thank God he didn't run then, but <clears throat> he wasn't on the cart then yet. I just noticed he was off lead because his owner had him. And uh, so when I saw him riding around on the cart later, I thought, oh, well, that's why he was off lead. But the time I saw him, I saw him across the garden department. He was headed up an aisle. And I looked at him and put my hand up as if to tell him not to jump. And, you know, I'm like, um, I had... And this is just from making eye contact with the dog twice. I just instinctually react like, I don't want him jumping off that cart. <clears throat> More in, you know, like, I don't know if you want to be bringing your dog into Home Depot without him on a lead. But whatever. Do your thing, man. He's awfully cute up on that flat cart. I'll give him that. Um, well, the next time I see him, I see him. <clears throat> pardon me. We're in the store. Uh, and they're in the main middle area as I'm walking in the garden main door. I make eye contact with him directly, and he just jumps off the cart and bolts for me. And I do the thing where I kneel down and welcome him at me, <clears throat> and he just paws up, gets on my shoulders, licks the hell out of my ear, like just, I'm <laughs> you know, getting bathed by this dog. And I've already seen the owner once. I made eye contact with him the first time I saw him in the garden department. So the owner's apologetic as hell. He's like, I don't know what the hell's going on. He comes in here all the time. I'm like, he comes into this one? Because I thought, you know, I if you've been in the last month, then we have not been in on the same day because there's no way I miss a dog riding around on a flat cart like this. And he's like, oh, no, well, we normally go to the, you know, and so he's like, but we come into Home Depot all the time. I'm like, well, you have one of the coolest Home Depot dogs I've ever seen. So congratulations, sir. And uh, And I haven't seen him since. But if I ever see that dog on a flat cart again, I will have my hand up the moment I see him because um, it's just, uh, it's like my aunt has a thing with dogs. 
She ended up being a dog groomer. Huh. And, uh, hmm. Even, even my very first, well, I don't really remember my baby dog. They had a basset hound named Rebel when I was a baby. Until I was like two, I think, two and a half maybe. I know he died while I was still young, very young, in my first house. I didn't move to my second house until I was a week before my fifth birthday. So I lived in one house for almost five years. And that dog was there a couple of years. So I have faint memories of him. But faint. Especially, I have one very strong memory of him in the backyard. But only one. <clears throat> and I have one at my, I, what I'm only guessing is my second birthday party where he was clearly out in the front yard that day. But other than that, the dog that came with the new house, the new puppy in the new house was Pepper, who the kids got to name. That's how he got the dumb name Pepper. He was a little black cockapoo, a little mix of something or other that they picked up at a puppy mill that ended up being, <laughs> he never got fixed. So he was constantly trying to get out the gate to sire God knows what in the neighborhood. Um, and he was successful. Back in the 70s, a dog running around the neighborhood wasn't an instant call to the dog catcher that there was some loose critter in the neighborhood that needed to be purged. Nope. It was seen as that nuisance dog that keeps getting out because those kids are irresponsible with the damn back door gate. And, uh, <clears throat> and he was, you know, the first, but... When I was in sixth grade for Valentine's Day, my parents took me to the local pound and let me pick out a pet. And I picked out this awkward German Shepherd mix who was about as athletic as, well, Phoebe makes any dog look athletic. But that dog was so kind to me. And I ended up going to college before she ever passed. And I just think of how life without a dog... I don't know, there would have been alone time I wouldn't have been able to handle. Because the dog was always somebody who listened. Oh, poo-poo. Anyway, so, I don't know, maybe the reason that I like working at Home Depot is because it means I see five to ten random dogs every day. And two to three every week that I know. There's probably some truth to that that I had never put together until I kind of was trying to remember how <laughs> how dog whispery the show was last time and I'm sure there's some people out there who are just like this and I'm not saying it's not all that something Phoebe leaves on me is just irresistible and that could all be true and yet, even if it is, it gives me some sense of peace and connection to a bigger purpose for life that one of, if not the group of best friends I most cherish are the dogs that have been in my life. So, in that way, I will always think life has clear purpose beyond anything humanity's ever thought but all I need to know that that's being diminished is to see how much impact the last four years that I've been absent have taken on those people and it's not four years that I've been absent I was 
last employed in December of 2018 for them, and we're only in um, <clears throat> April of 2022. So that's an exaggeration. But that makes it almost worse that those defeated both postures and looks in the eye, they're real. And they came from what? From putting in too much time at work that's proven pointless? Maybe. But they all have it. <clears throat> and I'm not just limiting that to the people that are working on the clock. The management, I don't know. The guy at the top of the store, I have nothing but respect for. And is one of the reasons I'm going in the middle of the night for. Because I like him. He's a good guy. And whatever the tomorrow brings, up or down, doesn't change him one bit. He is the same guy he was 20 years ago. And in 20 years, if I shook his hand, I think he'd be exactly the same guy then. So whatever challenges he's facing should be the kind of challenges someone above him listens to. If nothing else, he's the kind of guy that's not going to give you anything but straight talk. And if you're not listening to him, then I don't know what the corporate structure is doing. Because even if his opinion is that his store has had this sort of run of employee turnover that is abominable, uh, and that it's their fault for not creating a more welcome environment to new employees. And so it's all really a one-store issue that he takes full blame for. Well, I would say that's the kind of thing that should be a case model for what can happen to your best people. Because whatever's happening to him, I guarantee you, is neither his fault nor something that he invited. So listen to him when he gives you reasons as to why it's happening. Because if it's systemic and you're not in front of it, then I don't know that corporate America has any sense whatsoever left in the tank. And if it's not systemic and it's one store, well, if, if there is something that he has to say about why it's his store, then I can't imagine there's more pertinent information than that. And I would expect that will mean it's system-wide change at that store, and we'll see new faces next week. But if that's not the case, well then either we'll have turned it around in your eyes and we're back on track, or you'll know it's not his fault. And you're just here window dressing the situation because what else are you going to do? You have no ideas what to do. In fact, the scariest part of all of this for me is that <laughs> the, what ideas are left? I've been gone almost, I've been gone three, to be fair, I was gone three years and four months. And in that time, I've seen nothing but the same systems with different acronyms, with different actors, and in some cases the same actors, singing the same shit, just data protection and sexual predation in the workplace have a new emphasis. Other than that, I don't see much. But the same old shit, same... Oh, is it a different day? Hard to know. And I'm not in any way insinuating there aren't smart people up there in the world. But the motivation to 
do better seems to be gone. And I wonder if that's because the people at the very, very top know there's no reason to even do better. The cataclysm is imminent, and they know it. They won't tell us because they've known it for a while. And for as long as whoever's known it, which could be as long as all time in history is recorded, well, really, what are they going to do about it? <laughs> I mean, you can't stop the sun. And we're not talking the Holy Ghost and the Lord and Father either. Or maybe we are. Maybe that's the source of all that nonsense, horseshit, man-made literature that says what's going to happen when and how. Well, maybe it's because they actually know there is some shit that goes down every 6,500 or 12,900 years or whatever the calendar is that's finally admitted to, that's been discovered because the sun is predictable. Well, then, when you wind all that back into what the next sun cycle looks like, for those of us who are left wondering why everything got so cheap and disposable, well, that would make some sense. In fact, I, I kind of go, oh, well, yeah, okay, all right, all right, all right. Then that would make some sense. All right. I'm so far off, it's not even funny. As a matter of fact, I'm going to just end this one here before anything gets too out of control. But there were two things I want. I want to get these two off the list because this is, I think this is it. This is going back to the, the Africa uh quiz um <sighs> all right i'm not going to dive into that one so does the applied effort of your choice create purpose in life in other words if whatever work and effort you're putting into the universe you are putting into the universe on your terms in the capacity that you see as the most important contribution you can make if you lived in a universe that enabled that effort, would your life obviously have purpose? I don't know. It seems like purpose would be built into that endeavor. So, I'm going to think about that one. But, if that's all it takes, then why isn't everything we're doing trying to enable those initiatives. I wonder what we would look like if all we ever did was become more and more of the person we were born to be. I mean, if AI somehow is seductive enough to have created human beings in some organic life form that's disposable and frankly, completely and vulnerable to almost everything, so that mechanical structure of conscious beings could be formed by those flesh creatures that you'd eventually get rid of? Ugh. I mean, that would be such a cool plot to be a part of. But what if the DNA that is inherent in the human experience is here for the purpose that someone else created to work to do the physical labor that enables the system to create energy. 
because that seems like all we do. And none of us were born here for that purpose. So if the world that we lived in, and I'm not even sure how to imagine this, there's got to be a way. If all it was here to do was to enable you to fulfill the most important destiny calling you have, is that Eden? Or is that hell? Hard to say, really.